podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everybody, welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy and I will be the moderator for this initial episode. I am joined today by Lubo Murkoff and Paul Jenkins. How you doing guys? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Fantastic. Well, I thought we would uh, start off by introducing ourselves. Um, I've been a Liverpool fan for about a decade and been listening to Anfield Index for, uh, I think, since about 2015. Um, I am typically interested in talking about the, the statistics and uh, transfer side of things, and that's where, you're, where, where you will often find me on Discord. Um, Lubo, you want to int- introduce yourself now? Sure. Lubo, or as I'm known on Anfield Index Discord as the, the toppest of top reds. In fact, uh, I, I may have the most top reds diplomas uh, of anyone on Discord. But uh, fan of Liverpool for a long time, since I would say since the late 80s, which is really the first time that I remember watching um, uh, uh, game and 80s and 90s, and then um, came to the U.S. in the mid-90s and took a bit of a hiatus from watching Liverpool, but uh, became um, uh, an Anfield Index um, aficionado around 2012, 2013, which is the, the, the Brendan Rodgers time. That's when I discovered uh, Gags and Anfield Index on Twitter and uh, been, uh, been a fan ever since. I have uh, supported Liverpool since I was eight, so that's about 30 years. Well, it is 30 years, it's not about 30 years. Um, And uh, just kind of general all-round interest in football, especially grassroots football, local youth football and that kind of stuff. Um, Passionate about um, just seeing the game um, and young people grow um, through that. And then uh, Anfield Index probably discovered a couple of years ago through Twitter and just have been on board um, since then. I just kind of go on with everything that's happening and uh, very, uh, very much into it. Great. Yeah. Um, So I think that the the next thing we wanted to do for for our initial episode is to, to talk about uh, why we wanted to have uh, a podcast about being positive when it comes to all things Liverpool. Um, so, Paul, I think that you were the first one to uh, post about the, this idea on Discord. So could you tell us a little bit about why uh, you were interested in, in uh, getting us together to do this? Well, initially, <laughs> initially it would have started off as tongue in cheek, <laughs> and just kind of you know this idea that oh yeah, we're the top reds, we're the guys who don't see anything wrong, um, and you know 
think the most wonderful things about Liverpool and everything that's happening. And I guess that's <clears throat> that that is a bit of a tongue in cheek kind of you know response to that notion by going, oh yeah, we'll do this. We're super positive about everything that that Liverpool do. And of course, it's not that at all. Um, there are things that the club does and whatever that we all have issues with. But I think just generally, sometimes as fans, we get really caught up in the nearly the negativity and nearly just this idea that we can't say anything positive about the club without then being described as a top red. Uh, and I guess just my, my thought um, or my thinking, you know, in, time, in terms of suggesting this was really, you know, let's be positive. Let's look at our perspective on how we look at things because the reality is, you know, the club in terms of where it was 10, 15 years ago, we're in such a better place. You know, we have so many things that that, that we can be positive about. Uh, and I think sometimes it's just that idea of perspective. Um, and yet we drill into the micro things really, really well. Um, and we look really closely at what's happening at, at such a micro level. But maybe let's just step back the odd time and go, hey, things are really good in the club. Even when, you know, three weeks ago, the league was over. That was it. We were gone. City had it. We had nothing left. Uh, And yet, last week, results went our way. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, hold on a minute. You know, we might still be in this. So it's just that idea of can we maintain a bit of positivity um, and just kind of bring a, a, you know, a sense of, yeah, things probably aren't as bad as sometimes we're describing them. Yeah, I, I I was feeling that too last weekend when the mood seemed a bit dour, and to me it didn't uh, didn't seem like it needed to be that way. Uh, yeah. You know, we had just qualified for the the League Cup final. Um, looked like you know, so City got their draw. You know, things are still alive on all fronts, so it's a, it's a good time to be a red. Uh, so yeah. Lupo, uh, I also want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, why why are you interested in doing this podcast? Well. I, to echo what Paul said and, and, and what you said, Matt, it, it did feel last week uh, or last couple of weeks uh, being a January transfer window and, and, and possibly just looking at Man City being so far ahead in the league, uh, there, there was a bit of a sense of, yeah, we're, we're doing well, but there's still a lot of negativity or there's a lot of still things to complain about. So uh, when Paul was was uh, joking that we need to start a positivity pod. I, I, I thought I would join because there are so many uh, great things to talk about. Whether you focus on this season or whether you focus historically, I think it's not a secret that this is the best Liverpool team we've, we've seen in close to 30 years since really mm-hmm. since the, the, the last time they won the title in the 90s. So there's a lot of great things to be positive about and uh, and you know, and so uh, knowing that we wanted to record the podcast, I did send a text message to John and said, "Hey, could you give us a couple of reasons to be excited?" And next thing you know, we've got uh, Luis Diaz. Now we've got <laughs> Carvalho. So, so uh, FSG is delivering for us for this podcast. Yes. Uh, so Liverpool did have some things up their sleeve this week for uh, everybody to be positive about, and, and the main one being signing Luis Diaz from Porto. Uh, so here, I want to plug all of the the great Anfield Index pods that have been done so far. Uh, So initially there was a news round with Eddie and Dave, and then Gags did an interview with uh, journalist Simon Edwards for Media Matters. Uh, Yesterday there was an under pressure podcast with an in-depth look at all of uh, the statistics surrounding uh, Luis Diaz. Um, 
Gags has also interviewed Tom Kunder uh, for a view from Portugal, and there was also an old school with Gags where Gags and Dave talked to AI legend Marco Lopez about the transfer. Uh, so, Lubo, you had made some very strong statements about whether or not the, the transfer would be happening on, on Thursday. And then we heard uh, from some contributors on AI that you must have been quite upset when things went through. Uh, so how are you feeling about the transfer? So, so funny thing is because I'm on, in the U.S., so uh, way uh, behind on, um, on, on most contributors or most people in, in the U.K., so late Thursday night, I was scanning Twitter and I, I saw these uh, tweets, uh, mostly journalists from Portugal and uh, there was a guy from Colombia and all of these rumors that, that, uh, that Luis Diaz, who we thought was going to Spurs, was actually waiting for Liverpool. And so me being me, I just, I just brushed them off and, and posted really critical uh, tweets, calling them spoofers and saying, this is just... This is just uh, uh, journalists trying to bring Spurs back to the table with a better offer. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, <laughs> and uh, everything was in flames. Just Discord. My my phone was blowing up with notifications. Uh, uh, Twitter as well was blowing up with notifications. So it was it was actually fun. At first, I didn't even know what happened. I didn't even realize why that was happening. I thought just people were just messing with me. And then I realized actually that the, that after all there was truth to it, and uh, Luis Diaz uh, transfer could happen. So it was all it was all good fun. Uh, it was it was a, just a fun Friday morning. And the thing is, I had a lot of really early work calls, so I couldn't even read properly. I I couldn't even just spend the time to figure out what happened. So it, it was it was a crazy Friday morning, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it was it was crazy for everyone. I'm I'm even a little bit behind you. And when I woke up, it was all all madness. Um, so so Paul, uh, so how are you feeling about the transfer? Are you excited? I think it's definitely something that um, as fans we can be uh, very very positive about. <laughs> um, I think it shows also like uh, the the club has an idea around direction of where they want to go with things and the profile of players that we're looking for. Um, I think sometimes you know we kind of get this notion that. Um, we're not quite sure what the future is and we're just going to rely on Mane and Salah and, and, and Bobby and Jota until, you know, until the end of time, nearly, so to speak. But, you know, this kind of signing and looking at, at uh, Luis Diaz just is like, wow, it's it's one of those ones to kind of comes out of left field. Um, you just kind of go, possibly, maybe, might be someone we look at. You know, some people statistically looked at him and don't know if that's who we'll necessarily go for. But I think then when you start to look at him, drill in, um, as the, the, the various podcasts have done, um, you, you just look at it and go, yes, this is exactly. Um, and it shows an exact plan of kind of where we're going. And it's something that as a club and as a fan base that we can get really, really excited about. Um, and, you know, so for me personally, yeah, I'm I'm super excited, and whether that means he hits the ground running um, in a couple of weeks when all the visa stuff sorted, or whether that means you know a couple of appearances between now and the end of the season, substitute appearances, twenty minutes here and there, and then you know a good preseason and and going for next year, then it's just going to be our next season. It's just going to be something that that we can all totally be um, excited about. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was expecting a deal like this to happen in the summer, but it seems yeah. like with the, the interest from Spurs, Liverpool definitely sped up the, the timeline for their preferred target. Um, you know, like 
with a, a transfer like this, there's lots of caveats you could build in. Uh, so he's coming from a smaller league. There's not as you know big of a statistical profile. He's got a big jump in numbers for the last six months. But you know Liverpool is really really good at scouting attackers. And so yeah. when you're looking at uh, a guy like Luis Diaz, you just don't have the concerns that this will work out. You you know that they've uh, done their due diligence and found the guy that they want. Yeah, I think too when you look at the the performance with Jota. Um, and and you know last summer everyone going oh Werner Werner's the one we're going for that's who we want and then just Jota comes from nowhere and profiles like Mane at Southampton and you're just kind of going right okay if that's the profile that they're looking for and that's the outcome and the output that we've seen you know since he arrived then you're going I don't have anything to worry about with who they scout you know, from from here on in because the players that get scouted and that we end up signing, as you say, Diaz was probably brought forward from the summer to January because of the Spurs interest. But either way, it shows that we have been looking at people um, and that, that we have been doing our work um, behind the scenes on those players that we want to bring in. And when push comes to shove, the money's there to make the signings, the the you know, the finances are in place to make all this stuff happen, which is kind of one of the things that kind of gets thrown about very quickly. Uh, they're not putting their hand in their pocket. The owners won't do this. You know, they won't do the other. But actually, this is shown. And I think some of the articles in the Telegraph and whatnot that have come out today just show that whenever the deal was put in place, and Spurs done, from what we can ascertain, Spurs done the donkey work on this. And they put in the hard yards and we've come along and went, yeah, we'll match that. We'll do this and went to the owners. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Um, And I think that's something that that also drives positivity around the fan base and what we can be excited about. Right there. There is a plan. Go ahead, Lubo. I I just want to add, I think that that this is just another example. This deal is another example of of just a long, long term transfer yeah. strategy in place and not just transfers but also long-term strategy for how you continue to evolve the squad and gags had a great podcast a couple of years ago where he he, he was lucky to to speak with uh, michael edwards and and and, and, and the scouts some of the top yeah. scouts and and he, he shared a lot of those but this is this is just an example of that where luis diaz was someone who's identified a lot of work had, had done on uh, but the team also now has the flexibility. You have the, the strategy, but you also have the contingencies. And, and that if, if, if it's someone who makes sense for the team because this is a player, this is a player they're looking not just for, for, for a year or two. They're looking yeah. at Luis Diaz for the next five plus years. And that when the right player becomes available, who is part of the strategy, they will act. And in fact, even that I was reading this morning, uh, Liverpool even gave some money to Porto mm-hmm. uh, before the deal was even completed to to help Porto with FFP, and and this is a risk that they're taking that they've taken just to make sure that they can get this player who is who is who they see as a core component, and and this is again. I think this is the dichotomy that uh, it's very difficult to to reconcile sometimes as fans because we're so focused on immediate things the, the the next game and the next you know transfer or, or the next rumor uh and if we have a bad result or a dr- and for us even a draw is a bad result given how difficult it is to be to compete in the league for the title we tend to lose 
sight of the long-term strategy and the long-term picture. And, I, I, and sometimes it's difficult to have faith that there is a, a, such a long-term strategy for how to bring in new players, how to develop the players mm -hmm. we have in the academy, how to uh, evolve the squad and turn over the squad at the right time. And it's, it's very, very complex. And it's, 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 you have to be very strategic. You have to be very disciplined. And if you just focus on day-to-day -day things, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to see that and difficult to be like, optimistic or at least to trust uh, the, the, the plan, the picture. And, and that's, why, that's why, again, it's so easy to be negative or to be discouraged when things happen, bad results happen, rather than uh, thinking there's a, there's a long-term plan and, and that plan is, 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 is sound. That plan is going to uh, keep Liverpool one of the best teams in, in England and in the world. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, you know, there is a, a very solid plan in place. And, you know, uh, right now when we look at the roster, the, the team is fully built, right? So going mm -hmm. forward, it's not about rebuilding, it's about reloading. And so that, that is going to be a little bit different strategy than the one we saw that built the, uh, the initial team that has gone on to win things. So now I think that, you know, going forward, we're going to see, you know, one to two big signings per summer. And that's just going to be how, how Liverpool operate as, as they replace the guys that are aging out. Yeah, I think, too, we make that point that after the Champions League, we should have went on and, and bought more players and buy from a place of strength. And I think had COVID not happened, then that probably would have been what would have happened with us. But unfortunately, because of COVID, then we kind of had to reassess what was going on there. And I think that's knocked us back a bit, you know, financially to make sure what was happening. But that, I think overall, what you're saying there is exactly right. It's one, right. two big, big signings every summer that just kind of keeps the squad and the roster ticking over nicely. Right. And like, even with COVID, uh, Liverpool have made some big signings, right? So yeah. we, since, since COVID, it's been Diogo Jota. It's been Thiago Alcantara, um, you know, Ibrahima Kanate last summer and now Luis Diaz. So it's just going to be on to the next one. Um, and we'll see how it goes in the summer. We'll probably be looking at, at some midfielders um, uh, at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the... The thing with Luis Diaz signing now is he becomes the 18th foreign player on Liverpool's roster. Uh, so we've seen some reporting in recent weeks that Loris Karius will, be not, not, will not be registered for the second half of the season. Uh, and it's possible he'll even be released on a, uh, early on a free transfer. So that will bring Liverpool down uh, to the 17-player cap for uh, non-homegrown players. But there is a caveat here. Um, in the Champions League, their roster restrictions are a little bit tighter than the Premier League. So Harvey Elliott does not yet qualify as homegrown and hasn't spent enough time with Liverpool to be uh, registered on list B with the U21 players. So that means that he has to go on list A and he would take a, a, a non-homegrown roster spot. Uh, so that makes the the total number of players that Liverpool have for those spots at 18 for 17 spots. So I think that this has increased the likelihood that uh, Taki Minamino or Divock Origi are going to leave by the end of the end of the window. Um, so 
What do you guys uh, think about that? Well, Lobo, start. To... Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll start. I think definitely for the, the two rosters, so the, for, for the Premier League roster, it will be fairly straightforward. Uh, you can just remove Karius and it's not going to matter. There, there have been rumors that he may still leave in January uh, uh, if, if Liverpool release him to sign with a new team. Basel have been linked. I believe this uh, team, uh, Fjord, in the Bundesliga have also uh, been linked. Uh, but, but honestly, even in the Champions League uh, roster, uh, even if that means that we'll end up with 24 players, I, I don't. I don't think it's it's going to be that big of a deal. But obviously, if one of Taki uh, or or uh, Divi leave, it, it makes it easier. And we have seen a lot of rumors the last couple of days for both Taki and Divi. They've been interested in in them. Taki, Leeds, and Monaco have been have been linked. And I actually I actually tweeted that it was a joke, but people seem to like it. That uh, that uh, we we gave Porto a good deal. On Marco Gruic, uh, just to so we can get first dibs on Diaz, and then gave Fulham a a good deal on um, Harry Wilson, so we can get first dibs on on uh, uh, on Cavallo. And now Leeds and Monaco have been linked with uh, Taki, and I just said, are there any players on those two teams that we really like? <laughs> right. <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen? But definitely Taki is attracting a lot of interest, and if you think about how Taki has been used, how, how Divi has been used. It, it, with Luis Diaz coming in, you don't need both. I think Taki does have that extra positional flexibility because he can play the eights, he can play uh, across the attack, but Klopp just doesn't seem to quite trust him in the attack, and we have tons of midfielders. Uh, Divi gives you maybe better, uh, maybe better as that sub coming in uh, late if you need a goal. He's, he, he, he has a knack for those last-minute winners. So maybe he makes more sense to keep if, if he had a choice between uh, letting, uh, just selling Taki or selling um, Divi uh, this, this January. But, but uh, it, it just it makes sense that if there's strong interest, one of them will leave. I imagine Taki probably is the... If, if I had to bet, I would say it's more likely that Taki will leave, even though there's that right. logistical situation where he's right now in Japan... So that's right. It's, in- it's very difficult to to get the medicals done. But I, if I were to bet, I would say it's more likely that we see Taki leave at the last minute. But it could be close. Right. If Taki's going to leave, somebody from Leeds has to be on a plane to Japan right now because uh, uh, Taki has a game for Japan on on Tuesday, and so they would need to do the medical on Monday. And you know. Uh, that think, those are logistical Adam. hurdles. I think we need to get Adam on the plane tracking just to see what's uh, <laughs> what's going to Japan. That's yeah. right. Monitor planes from Monaco and from Leeds and see see which which uh, uh, which city has the first plane over to Japan. Even though if it's if it is just alone, and I'm saying just alone without necessarily knowing all the ins and outs. It, it could be possible where the team trusts the the national team medical staff uh, to That's do right. uh, to do the medical, and it's not as much. I imagine it's probably not as risky, and may, maybe financially it's easier uh, to do if you ju- if you had a loan with maybe an option to buy uh, in the summer. But uh, who knows? Right, and and if either one of them is to leave before the end of the window. Um, 
I'd just like to acknowledge their uh, contributions to the League Cup run. Both of them have been instrumental in getting us to the final. I think that's Absolutely. the big thing. I think that's the big thing you have to remember about both of them. They have been um, very well used, and when when called upon, they have been there to pop up and score goals when we need them and put in performances. So. You know, thinking of the both of them as players, they're they've both been you know both been really really good for the clubs. So it's not as if you're you know you're going, we can't fit you in the Champions League uh, roster. You're not that great. We don't need you anyway. It's more that kind of idea. You know, you we can't fit you in. We'd love to have you, um, and we wish you well in, in your future career, kind of thing. And um, because they've both been really really good servants of the club. Yeah, no, absolutely. If, if if exactly what you said, Matt. If if you look at the, the games that we had in the League Cup, the first game against uh, Norwich, I believe it was uh, Taki scored two, Divi scored one against Preston, uh, one each, uh, and then against uh, uh, Leeds, uh, not Leeds, Leicester at at home. We remember that uh, last minute uh, uh, Taki goal to send it into into penalties and ironically Taki was the one who missed the penalty but it, it didn't matter in the end because of uh, Big Kev and even the game against uh, uh, Arsenal at home uh, Taki got a lot of grief for missing that chance at the very end uh, after uh, the, the, the the Arsenal Pickford uh, just made a mistake but if you looked at it he was by far the liveliest of the attackers and he had six shots in that game, and had he scored that one, I think the, the overall feeling would have been much better. But the fact that we're in a League Cup final for the first time since uh, Klopp's first season at Liverpool, both Taki and, and, and Divi uh, have played a huge role in that, and, and very much two of the big reasons why, why we're in the final. Yeah, it's, it's very much evidence of the, the quality depth that Liverpool have. Um, you and I were talking on, on Discord uh, within the last week or so about the actual performance of the six attackers that Liverpool have, and it's just not rivaled anywhere else. Uh, so only Bayern Munich have six attackers that have more goal output than Liverpool. Uh, so it's just, it's been quite good this season. He has been, and Dan Kennett, uh, if, if you go to his Twitter account and scroll down maybe a couple of weeks ago, he, did, uh, he, he, he posted some numbers for our top three, uh, so uh, Diogo, uh, Dario, and Mo, and then the other three, Bobby, Taki, and Divya, and Ox included there because Ox has played a, a two or three games as an attacker. And as you say, Matt, when you look at the goals and assists production per 90, it, it is it is tremendous, and, and having having them produce when we've needed them uh, in in the League Cup, uh, in the FA Cup, and now the games uh, uh, while um, Mo and Sadio were are at Afcon and they're still at Afcon, and they'll be <laughs> looks like they'll be at Afcon until the very last day. But mm-hmm. they at least um, uh, uh, Mo will be after today's game. The fact that uh, these backup backup attackers have stepped up and contributed has been um, a huge reason why Liverpool are still in all four competitions or are also in the League Cup final. Yeah, absolutely. So as we look forward um, to the rest of the season and the next month in particular, uh, so one thing I wanted to, to highlight is 
the 538 Premier League forecast. Um, so, Lubo, you often po- post this on Discord and in Twitter. Uh, so I was looking back um, to, to a few seasons ago. Uh, on, on January 2nd of 2019, uh, 20 games had been played. Liverpool was up on Manchester City by seven points. Uh, so that on that day, the 538 forecast was Liverpool to win the league at 78% chance. And City was at a 19% chance. Uh, so we know how that the events played out and that season turned out. So if we look at the forecast today, um, the spots are actually reversed and like almost exactly. Uh, so City's up by nine points, but Liverpool have a game in hand. Uh, and City's currently projected at an 82% chance uh, to win the league, and Liverpool are at 17% chance to, li- to win the league. So, you know, I think that this is very much still on, and Liverpool have everything to, uh, to play for. Uh, so, Lubo, uh, you are on record as predicting Liverpool to win the quadruple. So are you still feeling pretty good about that? Absolutely. We're, we're winning it. Until we get knocked out of a competition... We're winning that competition. That's always been my my belief, and I, I, I it, it, maybe maybe it's, it sounds a little bit like a joke because we've been I've been saying we're winning the quadruple since day one, and with all the twists and turns, we're still in all four competitions. The, the League Cup final will be the first chance, and I, I I feel very confident against Chelsea. I know that most people uh, I've seen bookies have Chelsea as as actual uh, the slight favorite, which I don't understand. Uh, we, we, we're going to slam them. We're going to smash them. We, we're overdue. We're overdue to beat the snot out of Chelsea this season. And it's going to happen in the final. But, but actually now, when you look at uh, where we are um, in, in the league, with Diaz uh, as, as another attacker, with the, the guys coming back from uh, AFCON soon, hopefully uh, Mo and Sadio come back healthy, with Harvey and Thiago, uh, all coming back from injuries. Uh, hopefully, in the next, and we know we've all seen the the, the reports and and the goal that uh, Harvey scored in a friendly a couple of days ago. We have the squad, and I can I I can imagine that every single player and everyone at Liverpool is absolutely determined to fight to the very end to catch Man City. And like I like to as 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 you uh, gave the numbers, Matt, and as I like to say. We have Man City exactly where we want them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Paul, are, are you as confident as Lubo? Yeah, like I've, I've said from the start of the season, um, I have been very... Uh, the, cup, the cup run, not, not as much, but league and Champions League, I, I honestly felt that that, that, was, that was the minimum that we were heading for this season. Um, I haven't changed my mind on that, um, and I, you know I've had a number of conversations with people who were, and you heard so many pundits talking about Chelsea, and I I just felt personally that Chelsea weren't in the race because they just wouldn't be able to last the same way that that Man City and ourselves can go. So I, I always thought it was going to be a two horse race when it came down to the league, um, and uh, you know even even when being. You know, twelve points behind with you know the, the two games in hand or whatever. The, you always have that glimmer of hope because the Premier League is 
you know, effectively the best league in the world for a reason. It's because Man City can go to the likes of Palace and lose 2-0, or they can go to, to uh, you know, Norwich. And Norwich just have this day where they play incredibly well, Man City don't, and have this really weird result. Do you know what I mean? And so I just kind of look at it and go for anyone to write off the Premier League so early um, and say that, well, City have won it, we're out of it. Um, I just kind of think it's just a wee bit short-sighted because we know that in years gone past, we've been there ourselves being up at Christmas and still finishing second. Um, do you know what I mean? And so I've just kind of thought that, yeah, okay, those two are definitely what we're heading for. But, the you know, the cup runs now can be the icing on that cake and the cherry that goes on top of the icing with the cream. Do you know what I mean? We can we can really have a bit more of of, of success. Well, we win the quadruple and maybe not just quite as confident as Lubo is on that, but we're in every competition and as long as we're in every competition, we can win them. Um, I believe we have the team and the squad more than just the team, I believe we have the squad that's able to do this. Um, and so, you know, sky's the limit. Let's keep pushing until it's no longer possible. League Cup, I definitely think. I don't think Chelsea are on our level. Um, and we turn up. There's, there's no one can match us um, on that on that kind of day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if I remember correctly, the last time Liverpool played Chelsea in a cup, uh, it was for the UEFA Super Cup. Um, and that turned out pretty good. Yeah, and that was with Adrian and Nets, and, um, with you know just not even necessarily all the starters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, Sadio had just come back three or four days later, uh, earlier rather, and he just came in as a sub, and he's he scored a couple of great goals, I believe, and he went on penalties. But yeah. I, I, I have to be, I have to be positive, and I also think the, just keeping up with the positivity theme, the fact that there's a, a a final at Wembley. I mean, you heard for the players and for 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 Klopp. If you if you read uh, his reaction after that game at at Arsenal and how excited they are to go to 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 Wembley, uh, and maybe as a as a skeptic, I've been historically one of the people who was like, well, it's League Cup. It's not really, you know, it's what a hundred thousand. It doesn't mm-hmm. really bring anything to the club. But but in terms of um, what it means to the players. And you can you can believe that every single player wants to wants to go to Wembley and win that cup. And for the fans, the fact that so many fans, unfortunately, I won't be the, I won't be able to go. I, I imagine many people, unfortunately, won't be able to go. But for the ones that are able to go to Wembley and and uh, and just see see the Reds play there and hopefully see them lift that that cup, is going to be such such a great such a great weekend, such a great trip. And I I, I just hope that. Uh, that Liverpool uh, can come back with the with the League Cup uh, uh, afterwards, but I the, think other too. Thing, the other thing, just very sorry, Paul, is also what also gives me a lot of confidence is is just obviously we have to win a lot of games. I mean, we have whatever it's eighteen games to go, maybe less sixteen games, I believe it might hey, be yeah. sixteen to go. Sixteen to go, and and obviously Liverpool have to be close to perfect. They cannot drop a lot of points. They have to win. I would say probably all 16 or 15 of those games, some crazy run. But they've done it. They have shown they can do it. They, on the club, they've had 18-game win run. They had a 17-game win run. Even last, um, last season, when the team was just devastated by injuries and it looked, everybody looked down and out, even I was questioning whether we could <laughs> finish in top four. They, they, they went on this crazy 10-game run at the end where they won 
I think, 26 out of 30 points and, and finished third. So this team knows how to finish a season strong. This yeah. team knows how to, to dig deep and win game after game after game. And I, I'm very confident they can do it again this year. Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, this team knows how to win competitions. It knows how to win the Champions League. It knows how to win the league. When it comes to League Cup, I have no doubt that we'll know how to win that. <laughs> Super Cup, World Club Cup. It's not that we don't know how to win. So we, if we keep this momentum running, and we can we can win more than one or two things this season. Yeah, the Liverpool under Klopp, just to close out seasons, every season it seems like there's been some sort of run. And so, you know, I'm fully expecting that that will continue again this season. Uh, so we're recording live on Discord, and we had a question come in in the chat from Umbilical Boy. Uh, do you guys think there's a chance that Klopp extends his contract uh, at the end of its term? Uh, Paul? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I would love it. I think I don't think there's any fan um, would would kind of go, oh, well, well, it's two years up, that's it. But um, to kind of be firm in one way or the other, I just know that he has kind of talked about, you know, okay, that you know, sabbatical and needing a rest and all the rest of it, it may be something then that he'll want to do. I, I, also, I also think, yeah, there probably is a chance. If things are going really well, he started the rebuild, not even the rebuild, but just the, the continuation of... Of, of of moving players on and bringing fresh players in, the project may still be something that that he wants to be involved in and wants to kind of keep going. I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't doubt that that would be something that may be um, appealing to him, especially if there have been a couple of wins in between um, now and the end of his contract. Definitely, there's probably a chance that he could stay on. Yeah, I think that there's a chance as well. It's just it's hard to know what's in his head. Um, <laughs> so, Lubo, what are your thoughts? I think I think it's better than fifty-fifty chance that he'll stay, and and I'm saying this for two 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 reasons. One is he knows, and he, that from uh, when it comes from uh, the, the the owner's point of view, he has a he has a blank check. If, if he wants to stay, if he goes to them and says, "I want to extend my contract," it's going to happen. There, there's there's no doubt that they will just give him whatever money he wants uh, to stay longer. So. I, I, if it's in many ways, it's that decision is in in his court. I think the second thing is what Paul was saying is, he, he, if he feels if he's having fun and if he feels that there's more opportunities to do great things, if he likes the team, how how the the, the players that he has and how the team is is evolving, and and especially if he continues to win, and 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 everybody is just. When you're winning, you just want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So if the next couple of years until 2024, we're able to to win another couple of titles or big trophies or continue to be a top top team and be always there at top as one of the the best teams in England, one of the best teams in the world, why would he want to leave? I mean, he, as you can as you can see, he's the, the he has gotten what he he, he asked for an, for a new training center, and it's there. And and it's it's I would imagine, and he said he doesn't get everything in life, right? <laughs> but the big things that he's wanted, he has gotten, and mm-hmm. and you could even see now that reports some some journalists are reporting that Klopp was really really big on on Luis Diaz, really wanted him. The team made it happen. 
So from that perspective, I think it's up to him. But as long as um, he, as long as he continues to have fun and the team continues to win, I I feel confident that uh, he he will decide to stay maybe another two or three years. Yeah, I mean Liverpool is a club built in Klopp's image, right? Like as you're saying, it's like all these things that have been done have been done because Klopp wanted them. Uh, a lot of the staffing uh, decisions made around you know the football side of things, it's definitely all of his people. And so you know if things are continuing to roll, then um, why wouldn't he stay? Exactly, and I think I think that's massive for him that the faith has been has been put in him to that level. Um, you, you don't you you probably wouldn't get that level of faith at kind of any other club, uh, not top club. I I don't think. But the way that the owners brought him in and have basically, as has been said, just put everything on him. You know, if he wants a nutritionist, that nutritionist comes in. If he wants, you know, certain uh, assistant coaches and managers, they come in. Uh, new training ground, that comes in. Certain players, you know, they come in. But at the same time, you know, there's also been some players that, you know, rumoured that he wanted that didn't come in. But he has trusted the process of those around him. Um, and at the minute, it just looks to be the most perfect setup that could be possible that would that that would keep him in place, you know. Yeah, uh, things are definitely set up for him uh, to stay if he wants to. And you know, Liverpool have valued stability uh, and shown that stability is a path to success. And so. Yeah. Uh, Klopp renewing his contract would just be uh, like furthering that that aim. Um, so looking at the the clock here, uh, I want to shift us uh, to a, shift our conversation to to our final topic um, for today, which would be uh, recruitment and the academy. So um, Lubo and I have discussed uh, in, over the last couple of years, a couple of times on, on Discord about how. Uh, we've observed sort of a change in how Liverpool's approaching uh, the recruitment for the academy. And like, there is a deliberate selection of talented young youngsters for specific roles. Um, so prominent examples being Harvey Elliott and Kate Gordon. Uh, now news today has broken that Liverpool's put in a bid for Fabio Carvalho of Fulham. Uh, this involves loaning him back to the end of the year. So, uh, Lubo, let's can you can you talk to us about the the academy and why you're excited about that? Well, one is there's some really really nice academy nice uh, prospects in the academy. That's one, but also a second is I think what you touched on is 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 the shift. Uh so one one of the accusations that you hear is why don't we sign the Sanchos and the Bellinghams and and those players, the, these young English players before they go to to Germany, and I think there are two things. Maybe for those specific two players, uh, when when they were sixteen or, or they're ready to to sign with a new team, Liverpool just wasn't at the right place a, a few years ago, if you will. Um, and and then and maybe in terms of a, maybe there wasn't as much evidence to to a lot of these players that there is a pathway that Liverpool is committed to having a. A pathway to the first team at the time it was really only Trent who had come in, and 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 had made an impact. But since then, you're seeing you're obviously seeing Harvey, you're seeing now Cade, 
There's a, a lot of other kids. Tyler Morton is another one. Obviously, Nico and Big Kev, uh, even though they, they flew under the radar. So I think what's changed over the last two or three years is Liverpool has now been able to show uh, to the, the top 15, 16-year-old kids in the country that, that there is a pathway. We have a setup. We have a pathway to be able to uh, give them uh, development and opportunities to the first team. So I believe that changes the, the calculus a bit more and, and makes Liverpool more attractive uh, from that perspective. But second, I also believe two or three years ago, Liverpool was still try, looking to buy players who are uh, ready to step in and contribute to the, to the first team. So the 22, 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds. Uh, and now, because of the first team uh, is so deep, and you have players who are committed uh, for the next three to four years. Hopefully, we see guys like like Mo and, and Sadio and Bobby. Some of, some of those, hopefully, they're committed for another couple of years. There's an opportunity to to then invest in these younger players, 16, 17-year-olds, and let them develop because you don't need those players to come in immediately. Um, and I think that's that's what's allowed us the, the what's allowed the team then to invest even more heavily in Harvey and Cade, Bobby Clark, who joined from Newcastle. I've I've watched quite a few of the academy games. He he looks phenomenal. But even internationally, and some of the international signings were prompted by the changes in 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 the in the uh, UK rules work rules because of Brexit. But they went and 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 got some really exciting sixteen uh, year old. Uh, Musielowski, uh, Frauendorf, uh, Bysetic, the kid from, uh, from Celta, who looks phenomenal. There's a, a handful of uh, 16-year-old kids that uh, had been scouted for a while that uh, Liverpool just decided to, to make the commitment to. And now the under-18s, and even some of them are now under-23s, there are some really exciting high-end talent that could be coming uh, in contention over the next couple of years to to really start appearing in the League Cup, in the FA Cup, following on Cade and following on Tyler. And, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be really excited about where the academy is right now. Yeah, and I, the thing to always keep in mind about the, the young players is if you have a really good 16 or 17-year-old player, uh, the primary goal is to make them a very good 23-year-old player. And there's a lot of time in between those two points, right? So Liverpool has been able to demonstrate in, in recent times with Trent and Curtis and, and others that they have a plan to take people from where they are at 16 to where they could be at 21, 22, 23, and can integrate them, uh, you know, sort of seamlessly into the squad. Uh, and, you know, that helps balance out a lot of the, the roster issues of, you know, People are aging out and getting into their 30s. You can bring in some kids and have like three or four years for them to learn under these senior pros. Um, yeah. So, Paul, uh, do you have any thoughts about the academy? It was funny there because it was just I was just thinking. Um, I remember one of the kind of the earliest academy signings that I would remember of way back, or young players that were signing would have been Anthony Latellek and uh, Cinema Pongol. And I remember at the time, you know, there's the whole pressure that these two up-and-coming French um, youngsters are going to be the future of Liverpool Football Club. Um, they're going to be the next Zidane, and it's going to, you know, they're going to be wonderful. And and kind of the pressure that was put upon them at that stage, and we know that it never really worked out for them. And I think, you know, 
under Klopp and, and FSG and the kind of approach that has been taken now allows younger players to flourish those really great talents to kind of flourish through. So, we, you know, we think of Trent got the pathway into the first team. Um, Kyde Gordon, we look at Harvey Elliott, um, and, you know, and then we can look at like Connor Bradley coming through or some of those other names that Lubo's able to pronounce that I can't. Um, those guys that are kind of all coming through and we just kind of look at that and go, yeah, like there's maybe a different approach being taken now where there's just not so much pressure. And I think that also stems from where Liverpool were at at that time, whenever they signed um, Cinema Pongol and, and Latelic. Like it was, it was very much, you know, they didn't have necessarily all the sen- the great senior players in position. So it was like, can we invest in youth and, and kind of build Liverpool from, from, you know, young, young players and throw them in at the deep end and it didn't really work whereas now you can bring one two in integrate them really nice and even like Nico Williams you know whether he goes out on loan and and eventually gets a transfer away the progression that he's had for the last couple of years has been really really good for him both club level and internationally like you watch him playing for Wales he does play really well for them Um, does he necessarily fit our profile no but you know that development of bringing youth players through and then being able to if they don't make it for us being able to you know help their career is and i think that's something you clop you know, he, he talks about more than just the footballing aspect but it's about the person um, and nurturing and developing people uh, and so i think that even sometimes when players don't necessarily go on to represent us and for very long, there's been a really positive impact that him and the team have instilled into them through being part of Liverpool Academy. Yeah, yeah. just, you know, if a player doesn't make it at Liverpool, but they make it elsewhere, that's not necessarily a bad result. They've exactly. developed all the skills that they, that they need for their career at Liverpool, but mm-hmm. it just so happens that they're going to play for somebody else. Absolutely, and and the the other thing to mention about the academy, I, I think it's the new training center. Obviously, it's been great for the first team because it's it, it looks like a, a great facility. But having the academy there, uh, it, it it's it it has to be has such a huge plus, such a huge bonus for these kids who get to see the senior players there. Sometimes they get pulled to train in with them. And and having the the academy and the first team in the same place can can goes beyond just having a nice new training facility. It's really you're tr- truly training the next generation of Liverpool players. And one of the things I watch the the uh, under twenty threes, I watch the 18, under eighteens whenever I can. And one thing that is becomes very obvious whenever you watch them is you see the Liverpool four three three. You see the mm-hmm. The, the the setup you see the the full bags bombing in you know whether it's back on the left and 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 Connor on the right or some of the other younger kids who are now coming with the under 18s you see that the the attacking eights you see um uh someone like Kate Gordon who who really is just playing as a as a as a mini mini Mo Salah right on on mm-hmm. the wing cutting in so the fact that these these players who come into the academy and from the age of 20, uh, 12, 14, 16, however much, they learn how to play the Liverpool style, makes it so that when they're called in to the, the senior team, 
they already know how to play that role. They've been playing that role for, for a while. They, they know how to press. They know how to play with intensity. And that just makes it so much more likely uh, for them to be successful, hopefully at Liverpool, but wherever else they, they go to play. And, and to me, it's just, it's, it's, been, it's been great to just watch these and just see as these, this, the, mini, the mini Liverpool teams, right? They, they're younger. They, they can't run as fast. They're not as stronger. But that, that Liverpool style of playing with intensity, with, with pressing, with aggression, it's there. And it reminds me a little bit to what Barcelona had built with their academy. They had all, all these kids coming from the academy. They played the same style as the senior team. And then they could just come in, join, and, and become the next generation of Barcelona players. And hopefully this is what we see at, at Liverpool, where the academy just is really a, a, a feeder to the first team, and even if, as, as, as you said, Matt, even if a lot of these players and a lot of these players will not be at Liverpool, but Liverpool can produce, you know, good players and, and good people, and that can only be a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it does seem that the, the whole process for the academy has been streamlined since Klopp took over. Uh, so we should start wrapping things up here. Um, Paul, do you want to give us your final thoughts and any plugs? Generally, thanks people for listening and and, and uh, <laughs> stay positive. Uh, no, I think you know. Generally, just looking at the future this this season, we we really have a lot still to kind of be massively excited about. Um, without a doubt, there's so much uh, four competitions still in, all the chance to win all of them. You know, let's not lose faith and just kind of keep being positive on that. Absolutely, Lubo. So I, I'll just keep plugging the Anfield Index uh, podcast. There have been so many of them. Uh, and if you are uh, interested in becoming a, a subscriber, uh, you get access to Discord, which is a great community. And that's, that's where we're recording right now. We're recording live on, recording, uh, uh, live on Discord. And, and, and some people are listening. So thank you for that. Not much to plug for, for myself. You can find me on Twitter at Lubo Merkov. Uh, right now I'm private just because I had over the last couple of weeks I had a lot of rival fans coming in and destroying my mentions. But if you want to follow me, just uh, let me know, um, and I'm happy to to interact. And then last thing about this podcast, I, I think that we do envision this, and, and Matt, you could give a bit more details, but we do envision this to be a regular podcast, uh, maybe every couple of weeks. If we can fit it in as as new, great, positive things happen about the team, we want to get together for an hour, talk about it. If you like this podcast, if you want to listen uh, to the next one, um, that'll be great. Just give us feedback in in Discord. Let us know if you have questions you want us uh, or topics you want us to talk about. Let us know as well. Yeah, I think you've covered it there, Lubo. Just. Uh, the only thing I'll ask is that uh, if you could just give us some feedback in Discord, let us know if you like the show, if you want us to keep doing it, if there are things that you want us to talk about. Um, and, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, a cadence of, you know, at least once a month would be good if we can if we can get together. Um, and so we'll, we'll just see how this goes going forward. So until next time, up the Reds. Up the positive Reds. Up the positive Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel 
so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.